Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Morning everyone, my name is uh, Anke Schnook and I, uh, I really like to listen to Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio and your AM dial. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Hawthorne, Tatman, Jenkins, Hutchinson, Hirsi Ali and Plumwood. Let's get radical about philosophy. Lock up your libraries if you like, but there is no gate, no lock, no bolt that can set upon the freedom of my mind. Virginia Woolf, a room of one's own. Welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Now, I've got an interview today, a fantastic interview with Professor Ruth Hagen-Gruber. Now, she's the head of the philosophy department at the University of Paderborn. Uh, She is Professor of Philosophy and Founder and Director of the Teaching and Research Area, History of Women Philosophers and Scientists. And they aim at renewing the long-lasting traditions of women philosophers. And I'm speaking to Professor Ruth Hagen-Gruber. Thank you, Beth, for having me here. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's great that you've taken time out of your busy schedule in Melbourne to come on to Radical Philosophy. Now, there's really no doubt that feminist philosophy has created a new perspective for research on the history of philosophy, yet this research seems to suffer from a paradox, doesn't it? I call it a paradox because we, we, what, what is the paradox for us in this history of philosophy? We face the fact that women have been ostracized in this history. But on the other hand, we see that there is this rich tradition. So the problem is, how can we come to grips? How can we get these things together that this ostracism and misogynism was a reality in the life of women? And on the other side, there is this rich tradition. So it is that we have to solve the paradox. And in my mind, to resolve the paradox, it is only that history can help us to resolve it. Because you know, we have to understand that the 20th century was not a friend of the history of philosophy at all. The 20th century, and starting in the 19th century, eliminated the idea of the history of philosophy, and at that time for very good reasons, because history can never be a cause for something. It is not. But I think doing the research into the history of philosophy is a methodological tool, which is now applied to the problem of the paradox in women philosophers 
to say these women have been ostracized, which is true, and to maintain, on the other hand, that these women, that there were outstanding women and acknowledged women in their time, we only can resolve by go deeper into the history and see how were the times when the history acknowledged these women and celebrated these women? What did these times differently? What was the atmosphere at these epochs? And can we learn from these epochs? How was the outcome in these epochs? And I, of course, I would say that the times when these women were great, it was the high times of our culture. It was the ancient Greece. It was, of course, then Aspasia, like Socrates, had a trial, a death trial yeah, to suffer. And, uh, of course, Hypatia was then murdered by the Christians, of course. And this is all true. And we have to bring together these very problematic uh, historic um, conditions to understand the two sides and now to make it better. But we have to accept that there is a possibility and there were approaches to bring the women in and now, I hope, in this new renaissance and humanism, we come through with that. Now, could you give us some examples of female philosophers who have shaped a philosophy of their own and which has become an accepted part of our tradition? So women who shaped the way of philosophy, let's start in the 20th century. So it is wonderful when uh, Hannah Arendt is saying that she made the famous uh, separation between violence and power. And she's always arguing in favor of uh, acting in concert. And there is a discussion on if this is harmonizing or if it is keeping up the differences in a community. And there is, to my view, I think there is a clear answer to that because Habermas took a lot from Hannah Arendt and he acknowledged that in the 80s. But Habermas, but Hannah Arendt always spoke critically about that because she found that the idea of Habermas was too uh, harmonizing and she wanted to leave it open, to leave the disagonity, the different meanings and to uh, the concert with the concert. She did not mean to bring it all together to one music and to enforce the differences, but to leave it open. So uh, nonetheless, the, there is a big influence of Hannah Arendt to speak only of the 20th century. And as we know, Simone de Beauvoir had developed many ideas that were later than said to be the ideas of Sartre. But this goes on and on and back and back. So I come back to the ideas of Emily de Châtelet because Kant was in his lifetime, uh, his enemy said, oh, you're only taking the ideas of Emily de Châtelet and of, and of Leibniz in your philosophy. Although I would say this is not completely true, but... And for his disfortune, Kant did not so, I would say. 
but her ideas were part of the history of physics till the 20th century. At the end of the 19th century, famous physicists referred to the philosophy of Emily de Chatelet and even at the beginning of the 20th century and see Emily de Chatelet in her theory to be a forerunner even of Einstein. There are several texts who did that. And then I would say that the idea, to make it roughly, the idea of, of Marie de Gournay saying that we have to end this fought in philosophy to accept and the application of the metaphysical concept of a god as a male and female influenced all the outcome which is now well known with John Locke and the Filmer discussion where was discussed that god cannot be a male and so all the heritage and the uh, part the heritage idea which are paternalistic are wrong. Marie de Gonet was translated into the English and we see she was very influential also for the development of English women philosophy at that time and not only for the women. So there exist texts, there, there is a lot. Uh, so I would like to add another outstanding philosopher. I do think, and those who read the text of Plato, I think agree widely with me, many of them today, that what Diotima is teaching to Socrates and the other males in the symposium is of a Meaning, Plato gives it the meaning that this is a woman saying here what she's saying. She speaks about infinity and she says this infinity starts with the concrete birthing and this concrete birthing is then developing, developing into the abstract and into eternity. And I think there is a good sense why Plato let a woman say exactly this text, because this is not a metaphysics, which is very abstract and which comes from ideas from the sky. It is a philosophy and a metaphysics that comes from the concrete and is built upon the concrete and the concrete that becomes more and more abstract, but is always founded in the concrete birthing of something. And I think this is really, this was the Platonic message. And to my view, it was how Plato wanted to honor the woman, although even some feminists today do not agree to this interpretation. So... How do we go about rewriting the history of philosophy? Rewriting the history of philosophy starts with taking these texts. First, we have to publish, but the publishing is already going on. There are wonderful series, the Chicago series, who is doing, redoing, republishing and translating into English the text from women in the history of philosophy from 1400 to 1600, 1700. There are many activities. Also, we have many activities. We have now centers for the research in the history of women philosophers all over the world. There is the center 
from uh, Lisa Shapiro. There is a center at the Penn University. There is our center in Germany, Paderborn, the center of the history of women philosophers. We all bring the scholars worldwide together. We are active in the social media to inform the people and uh, give them the information. They simply have to read the text. And you know, the point is your brain is only able to have the 100% that it has. You can fill your brain with 100% male information and you can fill your head with 50% male information and 50% of about female publications. And you will be trained and our brains will be trained in that thought and we will see and we are very confident that the world coming through this and developing by this will be also a bit a better one because for the worse we wouldn't do that. You know, I have spoken to people who studied philosophy 20 years ago and they've said that they only studied male philosophers and they didn't study any female philosophers. And I, I think this has changed over the last few years where they're trying to actually have 50-50. This is true. I think it is not allowed in every huge great department in the world which is not doing the women philosophers now in so far we have already succeeded they would be ashamed it, it can't be that Columbia or that the big universities do not have these women in philosophy they have to present them it is clearly understood that this was a misogynism that this was not and could not be philosophically uh, reasoned this or racism against women. And it is so clear at hand that now they really every, I, this is my impression, the big universities have to see who comes first to bring them in because it's really a shame today and seen as a shame. So I would say that for, even for the last 30 years, the women philosophers have already been incredibly successful. So do you have any future study plans in this field? Oh, thank you very much for giving me that opportunity. I would like to inform a bit about our institute. We have an institute at Paderborn University in the middle of Germany in a wonderful green place. This is a city which was dedicated in the Saxons to the women because 200 sources, bones come out of the earth. And uh, so it was always a holy place dedicated to the women. We have established there a, a center for the study of the history of women philosophers. In this center, we teach, we invite the worldwide most famous women philosophers to teach with us. We invited Mary Ellen Waite, we invite Karen Green to come to us and to give the lectures there. Then we invite the scholars from all over the world to get their teachings there with us. And we are busy in publishing these texts, are, as are my uh, Australian colleagues, Karen Green and Jacqueline Brood, and uh, to give these texts back to, to the community. So we first, and we, our further way in establishing this center is we have now enlarged the idea to the history of women in philosophy and science. Because there are so many great mathematicians, there are fantastic 
basic ideas. And the women I talked about, like Hypatia, she was a philosopher and astronomer. Emilie de Châtelet, she was a mathematician, a physicist and a philosopher. So we have these outstanding women with these outstanding thoughts. We have so many more in this tradition and this is how we will keep on. And I have to say that one of my favorites is also writing in economics. So I did some contributions to the feminist economics because I think economy is, and you know, and I think we should not under-evaluate the fact that the new history of women philosopher also has a good outcome, a benefit, and that it will, if I'm allowed to say that, pay off. It is good to invest. I'm as a philosopher, I cannot teach to make the world worse or more poor. I only, it is my intention to enrich the world and to give it something. And I'm very convinced that the history of women philosophers will contribute to that. And as I I shortly talked about uh, Perkins Gilman, and I think she has so many good ideas to criticize the economics of today and so many good ideas to give us an idea of the of how we can develop economics of the future. Mm, yes, that's right. Well, thank you very much for coming onto the program today. Thank you so much, Beth, for having me. It's great to be in Australia. And thank you very much to those who invited me, Karen Green and Chucky Broad. And I'm very glad to be here and uh, to have the opportunity to speak to you. Thank and you. And you're presenting a paper as well, aren't you? Yes, I'm presenting uh, the paper on the history of women philosophers told, the history of philosophy told by women philosophers, where I will actually talk about certain problems in reaccepting this and rewriting this history of women philosophers on Saturday evening. Great. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you very much. And I've been speaking to Professor Ruth Hagengruber, who is the Project Director of History of Women Philosophers and Scientists. 